What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Will Clemente is a finance major at East Carolina University. He has quickly become one of my favorite writers on all things Bitcoin, including deep dives on various on-chain analytics. You can subscribe to Will's new email newsletter by clicking on the link in the description. In this conversation, we discuss a variety of different on-chain analytics, what's been going on with the price, who's buying, who's selling, and what Will thinks the on-chain metrics are telling us about the short-term to medium-term future. I really enjoyed this conversation with Will, as I do with all of them, and I hope you enjoy this one as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Revolut. Let's go back to the basics for a second. I've partnered with Revolut, a finance app in the US and the UK that say they're the simplest way to access crypto. They're putting their money where their mouth is, too. You can sign up and make three card transactions and you'll get $15. That's right, $15. What can you do with the $15? You can exchange for Bitcoin or any of the other tokens Revolut supports. Yep, they are crypto enabled. These guys have made it easier to get some skin in the game. As usual, when you move your money from fiat to crypto, your capital is at risk. So sign up now through revolut.com slash pomp to get a $15 reward and put them to the test. Revolut.com slash pomp to get a $15 reward and let me know what you think. They say they're the simplest way to access crypto. You be the judge. Next up is my friends over at LMAX Digital. LMAX Digital is the number one institutional crypto exchange. They offer clients the deepest pool of crypto liquidity on the planet. It's underscored by 100% uptime track record through volatility spikes. Leveraging LMAX Group's liquidity relationships and ultra-low latency technology, LMAX Digital is the market-leading solution for institutional crypto trading and custodial services. They feature a central limit order book streaming spot Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash, all paired with US dollar, Euro, and Yen. Just cross-connect at Equinix LD4 or over the internet to execute your crypto trading strategy with precision. If you're an institution, you should be using LMAX Digital. They're secure, liquid, and trusted. The number one institutional crypto exchange. Go visit them and learn more at lmaxdigital.com slash pomp. Again, lmaxdigital.com slash pomp. Last but not least is Amber Group. With low yields and looming risk of inflation around the world, it's no question crypto is the alternative. With Amber App, you can easily earn high yields on your crypto assets. Amber App is an all-in-one crypto finance app designed to help you earn, swap, trade, and invest in crypto. You can earn interest instantly simply by depositing assets to your wallet and you receive daily interest payouts. This means earning interest 24-7 with no lockup. You can also customize fixed-term investments between 1 and 360 days to enjoy higher yields with flexible redemptions. Right now, new users can earn very high rates of return on Bitcoin, Ether, and USD stablecoins. Whether you're a long-term hodler or trading on market moves, on Amber App, you can earn interest on your own terms and do more with your crypto. Go into the description, click on the link, and let's see what you think of them. Go check out Amber App today from the Amber Group. Go click on the link in the description and let me know what you think. All right, let's get back into this episode with Will. I hope you enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. 
All right, guys. Bang, bang. I've got Will here. What's going on, man? Not much, Pump. Just, uh, you know, a lot going on this week in the market. So trying to keep up with everything. <laughs> you Absolutely. Doing? I think people are really, really enjoying these uh, kind of overviews on chain metrics. So let's just jump right into uh, what we're seeing this week. It feels like, um, you know, price is uh, kind of just oscillating back and forth between that like 30,000, 35,000. What are you seeing? Yeah, um, you know, in terms of, of price, it hasn't been so pretty. I think, you know, a lot of the, the TI, I'm sorry, the TA guys are calling for um, lower prices. I think, you know, um, what we've been describing is, is still just kind of continued uh, you know, in terms of the accumulation that we've been describing. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, a broader theme of, of what was in this uh, week's newsletter. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, price has kind of been um, decoupling from from what the uh, kind of fundamental, you know, investment behavior is showing. Um, and, you know, perhaps, you know, this still is like we've been saying, it's just going to take out a little bit, uh, take a little bit longer than we had initially expected. Um, but I, I still don't see any changes in, in kind of the reaccumulation that we've been describing. Absolutely. And it feels like really uh, the, the big, big takeaway here is uh, people are selling. Price has been going down, but strong hands, the experienced market participants, they're just gobbling up all this Bitcoin. Uh, and one of the things that you wrote about was uh, the illiquid supply chain metric. So maybe talk about just remind everyone what that metric is and then what you're seeing in it. Yeah. So, you know, this is a metric I think we've had in for the last um, two weeks. Um, and it basically looks at the 30 day change between um, a liquid supply. So, um, the way you can think of this is, you know, Willie Wu calls it the, the Rick Astley indicator. Um, I kind of call it like the strong hands indicator. It, it's showing, um, you know, entities that, that have held Bitcoin for um, over 155 days would have statistically um, very low um, selling behavior. And so we're starting to see, um, you know, that, that continued trend of supply moving to those entities. Um, on Monday, uh, this got up to the 30-day change got up to uh, 95,800. Um, so yeah, still seeing a continuation of that trend. Um, and then kind of like going off of that, um, I had I've been working with Willie Wu a little bit. Um, we've been kind of in touch over the last couple weeks, um, but we, we put together something called the the liquid supply ratio, which is um, pretty much it's just a variant of the, that a liquid supply metric. Um, and so this is just a very simple ratio of um, liquid supply to a liquid supply. Um, and so what you see in this, you know, when I presented the idea to Willie and he he charted it out. Um, and so he, he messaged me. He's like, you know, this is really interesting. Um, you look at the ratio and it's it's showing what's called a bullish divergence, um, which the, the oscillator is making um, higher lows while price is, of course, making lower lows lately. Um, but what that's showing is that, you know, strong hands are increasingly buying the dip, um, you know, more so, more so um, as we continue to go lower, um, but, but prices is making lower lows. Uh, but this is like the, the most, I would say most clear um, divergence that we've had since um, that big correction we had in, in late January, early March. I mean, I'm sorry, early February. Got it. And then when you look at who the selling is coming from, if the strong experienced hands are uh, buying up the Bitcoin, is all of the selling coming from the young entities? Yep. Um, and, you know, this has been going on for, you know, a month now. We've been talking about how, you know, all the selling is coming from shorter term market participants. Uh, I actually had taken a look this morning at this chart, which actually wasn't in the newsletter, but it's called um, Nupal, but it's a, this looking at short term entities. Um, and that that's in like a deep capitulation as of yesterday. So 
um, and, and as well looking at um, sober, which is something that we talked about on a, on the short term um, time frame. That, that that's showing capitulation as well, um, especially from from short term holders. Um, I actually just put something out, kind of comparing. Um, you know, the, the long short-term holders over the last month, um, in the last 30 days, long-term holders have added 579,940 BTC, while short-term holders have reduced their holdings by 521,983 BTC. So um, you have this offset now of, of uh, longer-term holders outbuying um, the selling from the short-term holders. Uh, in the last week, these long-term holders have added 120,739 BTC, while short-term holders have reduced their holdings uh, by 97,000, just over 97,000 BTC. Um, so you have this offset of over the last week, um, long-term, well, this is at the time of writing, it might be a little off uh, the day after, but um, longer-term holders are, are offsetting uh, the short-term selling by over 20,000 BTC. Um, and, you know, this is something that we've talked about before, but, you know, either this resembles um, a few things. So, you know, after after the end of the bull market, um, so, you know, late, late 2018 or late 2017 or early 2018. Um, and then obviously after the, the 2013 uh, bull market as well. But then it also resembles um, kind of this mid consolidation, um, which, you know, took place in, in mid 2013 and then also kind of. Uh, this divergence you had in, in uh, late uh, 2016, where you had you know, the, the longer term holders coming in and, and setting the floor, um, while some of those shorter term speculators, uh, you know, freaked out, moved out of the market. So uh, that, you know, those are the those are the other times where we've seen this divergence between the, the short and long term holders. Uh, but yeah, this has been something we've tracking, been tracking for a while now. Um, and, you know, I think the key takeaway here is for anybody that's that's in this asset, you know, for the long term, um, when you're looking at people who have been in this market, you know, they're they're stepping in here and saying Bitcoin is, you know, a good deal right now. And um, they're they're stacking really heavily while the shorter term market participants, you know, the speculators are um, starting to get freaked out and moving out, which, um, you know, is great long term. Perhaps, you know, this isn't very great in, in, you know, the very short term because you need, um, I think, you know, some of those, those newer um, speculators to come in and that's kind of what um, drives the euphoric price runs we see. Um, and so that's, that's why, you know, we've, we've seen this, you know, price correction and, and this, you know, what I believe to be a, a, a broader uh, kind of consolidation. Um, but yeah, I, I, you see a lot of um, capitulation from the from these short holders. Yeah, and it looks like one of the most fascinating parts of your analysis this week is the new entity growth is exploding. There's tons and tons of uh, kind of new uh, participants coming into the market. Uh, we don't know exactly who they are or where they're coming from, but they don't appear to be whales. These are all much, much smaller. So it's almost like aggregate growth of total new users is uh, is exploding upwards, uh, but they tend to be smaller rather than larger players at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, this metric is called um, entities net growth. It's like a very technical term. I think you know, I would rename it, you know, net user growth. I think that would um, make, make it make a lot more sense for, you know, people that, you know, hadn't seen it before. Uh, but so essentially what this is, is it's looking at, you know, new entities coming on the blockchain and then subtracting uh, those entities, th that number um, from uh, the amount that or uh, the addresses that seem to be dormant, the, the entities that seem to be dormant. Um, and oh, sorry, flip that around. So the subtracting the entities that look like they're dormant from the, from the new entities. And then you get the net growth, right? Um, and so you're seeing this big 
W shape. Um, for anybody like looking at the news now, like it's literally a W, big W on the chart. <laughs> uh, but I, I think a lot of this, like you said, is um, retail. Um, because first of all, you know, we're, we're not seeing that uptick in new whales, which is um, something I, I believe that we're going to need to see if we have any kind of, you know, large, uh, broader bull market continuation from here. Um, but also when you just look at the uh, the raw holdings by, you know, by by the size of, of the entity. So, you know, perhaps, you know, you can look at below one BTC, below five BTC, wherever you want to call that cutoff for retail. Um, I would say, you know, anything below maybe maybe 10 BTC, I think, you know, that's below, um, you know, $310,000. $10, I think, you know, they consider, consider that still retail investor. Um, but, you know, all those all those smaller entities, particularly um, the, the very smallest ones um, under one BTC and, and below that, uh, they're all stacking very, very heavily. Um, you know, you see this chart is basically just going vertical in terms of uh, the amount of supply that's being held by them. Um, and meanwhile, you know, you aren't seeing this uptick in new whales. So I think a lot of this um, new user growth is, uh, you know, new retail, um, you know, smaller holders, and, which of course is, is bullish for uh, Bitcoin adoption, but, you know, not price in the short term. <laughs> um, I think it would be interesting to see how many of these new users are um, coming from Latin America, because I, I highly suspect that a lot of the, a lot of this uh, big uptick is, is coming from them. Absolutely. Well, anytime that you see uh, kind of headlines, right, in a certain uh, geography, uh, it's basically a marketing campaign for a user acquisition. Uh, we see this in the traditional world, even things like Robinhood, right, where uh, there was tons and tons of issues with their app. They shut down the service. Everyone was yelling and screaming. They actually gained users during that period, even though people were kind of yelling at them. And so uh, it's kind of the Streisand effect. And I'm assuming that's happening here in Latin America as well. Let's move on to uh, Sopra. I feel like uh, every week everyone wants to know what is going on with Sopra. So what uh, what are you seeing there? Yeah, um, Sober was interesting. So at the time that I wrote this, um, we saw this big higher low in Soper. Um, So I had put in the letter that it was a it was a big bullish divergence where, you know, the oscillators making a higher low prices making lower low. Um, and the last time we had seen a, a big divergence like that was once again in, in late January. But um, actually checking it when I woke up this morning, um, there's a big drawdown in, in Soper yesterday. Um, and particularly, you know, breaking that down between um, you know, long term and, and uh, short term entities, um, the, the, the gist of it um, is coming from the short term holder. So it seemed like yesterday um, we had a lot of uh, capitulation because these metrics are updated at 830 every every night, my time, Eastern time. Um, so it, it seemed like yesterday we had a lot of capitulation from the short term holders and uh, that bullish divergence that I had put in the newsletter it's, is now invalidated because um, we no longer have that have that higher low. So it's fascinating to watch this stuff literally change, uh, you know, in 12 hours, 24 hours um, so aggressively. Uh, Glassnode's got this new metric, a stablecoin supply ratio oscillator. Uh, explain a little bit about what this metric um, is kind of really getting at and then kind of what you're reading in the uh, in the metric itself. Yeah, so, you know, th- th- this was a metric created by Willy Wu um, that Glassnode had just recently put in there. Um, the way you can think of this is just like um, the amount of the amount of uh, stable coins that are kind of sitting on the sideline versus, you know, like, it, are they moving back into the market or not? Um, and so you see right now we're kind of moving out of this zone that uh, previously has kind of marked this big um, bottom capitulation bottom. And you're, you know, you're now starting to see some of that capital rotate back into the market. Uh, and so, you know, we we've only had stable coins for um 
you know, the latter half of Bitcoin's existence. So the chart only goes back to um, late 2018. But the, the other times that this resembles, you know, the, the drawdown in, in the oscillator and, you know, us moving back up out of this, out of a, you know, zone that we're in, um, it re- also resembles um, late 2018, the, the March, uh, the big March crash we had last year. And then also um, that, that late September drawdown that we had right before, you know, the big run up um, at the end of last year as well. Um, so, yeah, we're starting to see, you know, uh, we've been talking about for a while, for a few weeks that, you know, we had a lot of stable coins that were just kind of sitting on the sidelines. Right. And um, we hadn't seen them necessarily move back into the market, but they were there, uh, perhaps, you know, just waiting for a better entry point. Um, but we are, you know, as of this week, starting to see um, that capital in the, in the form of stable coins start to rotate back into the market, which is, a, you know, a good sign of recovery. For sure. Um, one of the charts that to me is like just hitting us over the head and how obvious um, there was a change in early June uh, is this minor net position change. Uh, and I think that right around that time is when the crackdown on miners in China started. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about what you're seeing there with uh, with miners and kind of what they're doing. Yeah, this is this is interesting. So, um, well, first of all, like when you just look at the hash rate, um, you know, hash rates pretty much just dropped off a cliff. We're now at the lowest point that we've been in, in terms of like daily average hash rate um, in over a year. So yeah, you can definitely see um, in the data that I'm looking at um, that, you know, a lot of that hash rate is, is migrating out from China um, and has temporarily um, been taken off the network. Of course, we have, you know, a uh, the difficulty adjustment coming up right around July 1st. Um, so that'll be, that'll be great when that, that finally occurs. But for now, yeah, we're we're stuck with, you know, a lot of a loss of hash rate and difficulty hasn't adjusted yet. But um, in terms of like the, the raw holdings of miners, um, I think this is interesting because a lot of um, a lot of the selling has been believed to, to have come from miners. Um, but what I'm seeing in at least the data that I'm looking at is not not so much because they've reduced their their balance by, you know, just over 5,000 Bitcoins. So 5,125 at the time of writing, I think it might be up by like 50 BTC or something since I wrote this two days ago. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, they are selling like, right. Like they are reducing um, their holdings, but not um, on any magnitude that would have, you know, a significant impact on, on price um, because, you know, the market can absorb 5,000 BTC with, with really no problem unless it's, you know, sold in a very short period of time. But, uh, you know, it's not anything that I think, I don't think um, the, the miners themselves are responsible for this drawdown in, in terms of, you know, just looking at how many Bitcoins have been sent out of their wallets to exchanges, um, presumably to be sold. So uh, they're, they're definitely selling though, but just not uh, in, in what I'm looking at on, on any extent that's going to draw the market down to 30K. For sure. Uh, before we let you go, you've got a new metric uh, that you created. Um, you've currently titled it the OTC Desk Outflow Stock RSI Signal, which is a horrible it's a mouthful. Name. You know that that's a horrible <laughs> name. I think uh, we, we got a recommendation from somebody that we should just call it the Clemente Signal. I don't know if you want to do that or not. We'll leave that up to you. But talk a little bit about this brand new uh, kind of signal that you've created and what exactly you're trying to look for in it and, and what it's telling us right now. Yeah, so I think, you know, when, when you're in a market like this, um, the, you know, the, the money that's really pushing the market around is, is, you know, the big money, right? Um, 
So I, I was thinking, you know, kind of from first principles, well, how can I track, you know, that, that big money? And so I was like, okay, well, big money goes through OTC desks, right? Um, you know, the, most, of the, most of the entities going through OTC desks are like high net worth individuals, institutionals, um, those, those kinds of entities. So um, I, I looked at, you know, the, the OTC outflows. Um, and and when, you, when you just look at that chart itself, it's very noisy. You see up, down, up, down, up, down. It almost looks like, you know, when you're looking at like a chart of like a, someone's heartbeat when it's like going crazy. There's really, you can't really draw any major signal out of that. Um, and so what I did was, you know, Glassnode is just uh, added, uh, they have this tab on the top um, where it says trading view and you can, you can use different indicators, basically um, adding, you know, traditional TA indicators to some of these on-chain metrics, which um, shout out to Raphael because, you know, this, this is pretty sick. I've been playing around with this all week. Uh, they just added this in. So when you, I, I added a, a stock RSI um, to this, which basically looks at the strength of, of the metric. Um, and so when you, when you plot this out, um, you, you get, you know, uh, kind of this range that Bitcoin, you know, the, the metric trades in um, usually, but then when you have um, a breakout to the upside, it's a, it's a buy indicator because it's showing that there's really strong, um, the trend of, of OTC outflows is really strong. Um, and then conversely, when it breaks out to the bottom of this range, um, it's been a, it's been a sell indicator. Um, and so, you know, that, that's showing that there's not many OTC outflows, AKA there's, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, high net worth institutional buying going on, AKA, you know, big money. So you see, you know, it's, it's been uh, a little over 90% accurate um, aside from one missed uh, buy signal, but, and, and this is just back tested over, over the last year, to be honest, I haven't back tested it over like the previous bull market. This is just over the last year. Um, so that 90% number might be give or take, but um, yeah, over the, over the last year, it, it's, it's been very accurate. Um, you know, it's, it's timed right before the, the buy, right before we had that run up in September, um, you know, several buy indicators on the way, on the way up. Um, and then it, Flash another buy signal um, after the January capitulation. Then actually um, timed the one of the tops in, in March really well, like almost to the tick. Um, timed the you know the the dip we had after that. Um, another dip in in late April, um, and then it also flashed a big uh, sell signal right before we had that initial big drawdown to 30k. So you know if, if you were using this indicator and going off of this, then you know you would have been in good shape if you had if you had sold right before um, you know we had that big drawdown when it flashed this sell signal. So um, interesting, it 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 just flashed um, a buy signal, which we'll see how that plays out um, you know over the next few weeks. But uh, yeah, this is uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to play around with some with some new stuff because Glassnode just added this uh, this trading view tab where you can kind of create your own metrics. Um, so yeah, this is the first one I've come up with. Hopefully, I have some uh, new stuff for the audience over the next few weeks. Awesome. I think you're doing a, a fantastic job. Before I let you go, uh, where can we send people to find you on Twitter or, uh, or find out the newsletter? Yeah, so um, I have, um, I'm going to get a URL for this. So I don't have to, to say this mouthful every time, but uh, on my Substack, it's uh, BTC by WC3.substack.com. Uh, and then, like I just said, uh, I'm going to try to get a URL so you don't have to type in all that. And then you can just type in something quick and just get right to it. Recommended by Pomp. So yeah, you can find me on there on Twitter all day long, you know, just put out stuff, whatever I find interesting or, you know, if you tweet at me, I'll, you know, engage with you, whatever. I'm just, you know, on Twitter hanging out. So feel free to reach out. DMs are open, all that. So awesome, man. Well, listen, I think uh, the, the big takeaway from this week is, you know, 
all of the short-term market participants, they're selling uh, the long-term experience, strong hands they're buying. Uh, there's tons and tons of insights in, uh, in these on-chain metrics. So I, I appreciate you spending so much time. I know the audience does as well. In terms of uh, breaking this stuff down, it definitely kind of uh, provides some signal uh, inside of all the noise and the sentiment because you know Twitter Twitter was not very happy. There are a lot of people very, very bearish on, uh, on Twitter over the last couple of weeks. So uh, keep at it, and then we'll do this again next weekend. Thanks, Pomp. Yeah, that, I think, you know, uh, a lot of people freaking out. I think maybe this is their first rodeo. <laughs>